Welcome back to the Sound of Loneliness podcast. We hope you are inspired by the voices of grit and grace we share in these episodes. Today's episode is called Hungry Hearts. A reminder to like, follow, and subscribe to the Sound of Loneliness podcast wherever you listen and to our YouTube channel. This will continue to grow our capacity to offer you more of what you would like to listen to. So, happy Valentine's Day, Kiara. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. Do you like hearing that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a romantic, so... There's a little bit of a a cringiness for me that comes with that. How about you? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I like hearing it. Um, But I think I think I'm not supposed to like hearing it. Mm, (laughs) I I think think that's very relatable. Yeah, like lots of people talk about Valentine's Day as being like a Hallmark holiday and roll their eyes and whatever. And I am a romantic. So I'm like any excuse to like celebrate love and do really sweet gestures. And I'm like, cool, now we get to do it on purpose. But then I'm like, oh, but that's stupid, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I have a little internal war within me when I hear the term Valentine's, Valentine's Day. You're conflicted. I'm conflicted. I'm internally (laughs) conflicted and aware of my internal conflict, at least to a degree. Right. So we were going to talk today about Valentine's Day. We were thinking about, you know, we've got this podcast that's about loneliness. And when we think about Valentine's Day and we think about loneliness in relation to it, I was saying, you know, the stereotypical thing is, oh, people who don't have a romantic relationship on Valentine's Day or a partner and want to. Maybe they're the ones that feel lonely. And that's that feels like the the typical thing that people think of when they think of loneliness and Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And so we decided not to talk about it from that angle. No, we decided to put a little bit of a spin on it mm-hmm. and kind of talk about the idea of feeling lonely in relationships, which I think yes. is less touched on. Yeah, it's almost a lack of awareness around it. It's maybe something that people would talk about less. Um, (laughs) Almost like, what do you have to be upset about? You're in a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Or how could you possibly be lonely? You have someone. Yes. Right? I think there can also be a bit of embarrassment, maybe shame, worry about judgment Mm -hmm. that can come with that. Mm -hmm. And I think even people don't always know what a relationship actually is like behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. So we might think that someone is very cared for in a relationship and that a couple's really happy. And we don't really Mm -hmm. know that, to be fair, unless we go Mm -hmm. home with them every night. We don't Mm -hmm. know how they talk to each other, how they treat each other behind closed doors. We can sometimes get a window into that in public, I think. But you don't know how the person actually feels in that relationship. I've been in relationships before where I have really protected the image of the relationship so much so that nobody knew that I was just desolate inside. Mm -hmm. I was so lonely in that relationship. Nobody knew. I would have never talked about it. Right. And is it not the, the pretending that exacerbates the loneliness because you're also playing a role to a degree. I can imagine that that part of it would be extra challenging. Yeah. Then you 
really have no one to talk to about it, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're also sort of denying that the loneliness exists. And yeah, the shame around, I shouldn't feel this way, or I should be grateful. All the shoulds can start to come in. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the shame around, well, why am I with someone that's making me feel this way? Mm -hmm. Right? Why did I choose this relationship? Why am I in a relationship like this again where I feel lonely? Those kinds of things can go through people's minds. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think we almost fear what the reaction will be from others if we share Mm -hmm. the truth about how we're feeling in our relationships or if we're hearing everybody talk about how wonderful and hunky-dory theirs is then we're like well I'm not gonna right (laughs) bring the truth in yes (laughs) right absolutely yeah Yeah. but we're going to talk about it today we are we're going to expose this yes and I think this might be again an important topic to to create a space to normalize that I think this is something a lot of us have experienced yes and hopefully by bringing light to it again it can when you put the spotlight on shame it takes away its power so hopefully by doing this we can kind of remove that a little bit yeah and make people feel like they're not the only ones because I gotta say like it's a pretty common theme in at least in my office with clients to hear about the the pain of loneliness in their relationships Mm -hmm. We have a really interesting vantage point as couples therapists, because we can even see how the couple walks into the room and even a bit of the image that's maybe been created. And then they sit down on the couch and reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. So we have this really interesting insight that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to see. Yep. Agreed. If someone is feeling lonely I think, you know, one of the first things that comes to my mind is what is the nature of their connection to their partner? You know, what's the depth like? How do they connect? Is that what comes to your mind? Do you think about connection when you think about someone speaking about their relationship and saying that they're feeling really lonely within it? Yeah, definitely. I think about connection. I think about what connection means to each person. So connection kind of being the starting place to explore and then really understanding for each individual, what it actually means to them to feel connected. Because I think each of us experience connection differently. And what it means to feel connected, I think, is very personal. Is that what you notice as well? Yeah. And I remember you saying you and your husband were talking about this, right? Yes, we were. Yeah. yeah. You, like, what an interesting conversation that you guys it were having. It was an interesting. Yeah. He was asking me a little bit about that kind of a work conversation he was having and trying to understand what makes people feel connected. And he asked me, what, what are those qualities? And I started thinking about even some of the kind of relationship pioneers, you know, the Gottmans, the Harville Hendricks, the ones that we really look up to. So things like, you know, being, being seen, feeling heard. But I do think it is, it is different for everyone. How do you kind of define connection? Yeah, I think I use very similar terms like feeling connected to somebody means that I feel very known. Mm -hmm. But to feel known, I have to be seen. And to be seen, I have to allow myself to be seen. To allow myself to be seen, I have to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And to feel safe, I have to feel like I can trust the person. 
Right. I love how you kind of categorize that, how you one feeds into the next. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, it's like if I go backwards and I go, well, how do I get to that point? Right. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, if I think about, you know, in a relationship where I feel this person knows me, they get me, they understand where I'm coming from. Generally speaking, they think that I have good intentions. They like to spend time with me. I like Mm -hmm. to spend time with them. To have like genuine curiosity and to engage for periods of time where you're undivided attention is directed towards someone else in an effort to truly know them especially somebody that you in theory already know right maybe it's your partner for like you said like 20 years I know Mm -hmm. this person what else could Mm -hmm. there possibly be to know we actually have to be quite intentional yes about our curiosity and where we direct our attention so that's why I talk about in relationships nobody likes work So I don't Mm -hmm. say you have to work on your relationship because that's not really motivating for people. No. (laughs) I talk about intentional attention. I talk Mm. about if you want to create connection, real connection, then you have to intend to attend to your partner. Yeah. Right? You have to be curious and open. And when you've been in a connection with someone who is good with that, good at being attended to you in a real connected way, you know it. You know what it feels like. I know what it feels like on the flip side to talk Mm -hmm. and literally be like, oh, did you not hear me? Because you're not responding. Mm -hmm. And the other way where you're speaking and you're like, oh my gosh, this person is like riveted. Yes. They're listening and they're yes. listening with all of them. Yes, they're listening with their eyes, their face, right? All their body language is directed toward me. It's not just their ears. Mm, it's <laughs> right? fuel. It is. It's fuel. And that kind of leads to that interesting concept that we were talking about, which is we named this episode Hungry Hearts, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how we all have physical hunger. We all have to mm-hmm. fuel our bodies in order to survive and to function and to function well, right? Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of literature and there's an entire industry on nutrition and diets and fuel for our bodies, mm-hmm. right? And how to optimize that. Mm-hmm. We have heart hunger mm-hmm. and the way to fuel our hearts is through connection, right? And this is the food that our, that our beings crave as well. So on top of food nutrition that we desperately need to survive, we need the heart food as well that comes from real intentional attention in connected relationships. Yes, Yes, this might be a good time to introduce those of us who aren't familiar with Gottman's bids for connection. So for anyone listening who's not familiar, Gottman's kind of, I think, a hero of both of ours. Yes. Um, So John Gottman and his partner, Julie, have been studying couples for over 40 years and through observation have kind of distilled down like the essence of healthy relationships, what really makes relationships thrive and blossom 
and what creates the most amount of damage. And I love his concept of bids for connection. I know both of us use these, not just with our couples, but with our individual clients and then in our own lives as well. But do you want to share a little bit about what that concept really means and looks like and how that relates to this concept of fuel that we're talking about? Yeah, sometimes the metaphor that I use when I'm describing a bid for connection to people is like throwing a ball, right? Mm -hmm. So people are always making bids for our attention, right? And in like you said, in any type of engagement, any sort of relationship, right? So a child can do it with a parent. If we're talking about romantic relationships today, then let's talk about it in those terms, right? So I can say to my partner, you know, oh my gosh, it's so sunny today. That is a very innocuous statement. It's very simple. I'm just talking about the weather. Sounds like small talk, right? But I'm bidding for him to do something with my words and my interaction, right? So it's like I've thrown a ball in his direction and now he has a choice. So he can catch the ball, right? Play fat, like play catch with me. He can... <laughs> yeah he can throw the ball back at my face. <laughs> That's maybe not so nice. And no. he can let the ball just sail right over his head and maybe not even notice that I threw it in the first place. So if we look mm -hmm. at that from John and Julie Gottman's uh, bid for connection concept, if someone gives us a bid for connection, wow, it's so sunny outside. And I want to turn toward that bid I will catch the ball, meaning I will turn to my partner and go, yeah, it is, isn't it? Do you want to go for a walk? Mm -hmm. Right? That's turning toward the bid for connection. Yeah. Something like that, that kind of just takes that nice, you know, attempt to connect and say, I don't want to be connected to you right now. It's like closing a door. It's, cl it's slamming the door, right? Yeah. And then the third option is the turning away from the bid for connection. And that's like letting the ball sail over your head. You didn't even notice it because maybe you've gotten so used to living parallel lives and you don't even really hear when your partner's talking. Mm -hmm. And so your partner says, like, it's so sunny outside and you just don't even respond. Yeah. You fail to engage. And mm -hmm. what John and Julie say is, Obviously, we're not perfect, and so we're not always going to turn toward every bid for connection. We also would be exhausted if we did that all the time, especially if you think about a parent-child relationship. My think gosh, of a toddler. Yes, yes I can. <laughs> but they talk about how it's, in general, the overarching response in your relationship to your partner should be that you more often than not turn toward those bids so more often than not when your partner throws a ball you catch it mm -hmm. <laughs> you play catch you don't throw it back at them <laughs> really hard mm -hmm. and yep. you don't let it sail over your head because what happens is we make bids for connection all the time but if they're ignored often enough or if we are hurt with our own bids we stop making them we give mm -hmm. up it extinguishes that behavior. That attempt for connection disappears. And that is when people get lonely. Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah. when I'm trying over and over and over to connect to the person that I love and the lack of response or the type of response I get tells me that they don't desire 
a connection with me, that creates a big void, Mm -hmm. right? And that, or, or again, if we stick with John and Julie, they have this concept of the emotional bank account. That's Mm -hmm. withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. And now I'm in overdraft. Yes. Right. And I am depleted emotionally and incredibly lonely in my relationship. Not because I lack a relationship, but because my relationship is non-responsive. Yeah. I really like this concept because I think a lot of us can sometimes get lost in like the grand gestures of relationships and thinking about like, what do we need to, you know, make this thrive to be successful, whatever that looks like. Everybody has their own ideas. But when it really comes down to it, it's about, like you said, responding and attending to the bids. That's really what matters most. And so if we think about it in that way, it doesn't have to be overly complicated overly time consuming, overly expensive even. It's just the consistent message you're sending that I'm interested in you. Yeah. I want to be here. Yeah. Right. Which I think is a perfect time for us to take a little break because then I want to talk a little bit more about then how do we respond, right? Like you said, it doesn't have to be big and over the top and expensive and grand. Mm -hmm. What does a response look like? How do we create connection and minimize and you know reduce feelings of loneliness within our relationships so we'll take a little break and then we'll come right back okay we're back so we were talking about what it's like to be in a relationship and feel lonely at the same time and how to respond to bids for connection or hunger pains for our hearts and Mm -hmm. how like what is the fuel for that and again if we sort of keep staying with Gottman they talk about that one of the secrets to a loving relationship one of the main secrets is generosity Mm -hmm. right and we're not really talking about I mean sure you want to buy your partner a car go for it but I'll I think <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but I think it's the acts of generosity. It's how are we generous with our time, with our affection, with our words, with our energy, with our space, and sure, with our money as well, with our creativity. There's so many things that we can be generous with. How are we generous in our relationships? Or maybe that's something that we need to work on. Mm-hmm. And can we do that? Can we engage in more generosity in our relationships as a way to help foster connection, real connection? Can that be something that doesn't feel like work but feels like intentional attention? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to move into how do we become more generous in our relationships, we might talk about love languages, which mm-hmm. has become a really popular I love that it's popular (laughs) me too (laughs) concept now this is from way back this is um Gary Chapman wrote a book about this Uh, like I think it was a purple book initially I don't know what color it is now and he's written a whole bunch of them you know pertaining to different types of relationships but the first one was the five love languages so the concept was that you know we all show love in multiple ways but most people have one or two 
main ways in which they speak love to Mm -hmm. the people that are closest to them. And again, we'll stick with in romantic relationships. So there's five. Yes, there are five love languages. Yes. So the way that he described them are gifts, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and words of affirmation. So again, I think most of us can agree that we like all of the ways of being loved. But what can get a little bit tricky is when our primary ways of feeling love are different than our partners. And one thing that he talks about is how we often show love in the way that we'd like to receive it. So for example, if I'm somebody whose primary love language is gifts, then I might be inclined to show my partner love in that way. And that might not be the way my partner feels the greatest sense of love. So it's not that you actually need to have the same primary love languages. It's really about understanding what that looks like for your partner, the meaning of it, what yours is, and then how to communicate that and how to foster it. And also how to recognize that it's not a hierarchy. One form of being loved isn't better. So if I'm being totally honest, gifts is not my top love language. And I think a little part of me used to kind of be like, of course, like, you know, so materialistic, but that's not actually what it's about, no, right? No, it's not. It's about the meaning of it. It's about what that means to you, what it feels like, the thought that goes into it. And so again, all of them are valid. All of them are important, but really understanding what that means to you and what your partner needs. I think that's a way to start to figure out how to show up in a generous way. Yeah, I like that you're sort of starting looking at gifts as one of the the primary love languages because I think it's one of the most misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is something that people often look at and go like, oh, that's about physical material gifts. It is sometimes. Mm-hmm. But why, if it is someone's primary love language and even if it isn't why do people like to give or receive gifts it's usually Mm -hmm. not about the actual item itself what happens when someone is engaging in gift giving is they are thinking about the other person Mm -hmm. they are spending time to either go and get the present create the present if they're making it and they're spending money possibly if they're buying something and there's often just a lot of thought that goes into it, right? So it's holding that person that you love in the front of your mind, right? Or maybe you saw something randomly, it's not their birthday, it's not Christmas, it's not Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And you saw something and it made you think of them and you went and got it for them, right? It's like a cute little teddy bear or it was their favorite chocolate, right? Or you, you know, I recently took up painting and Mm -hmm. it's I'm gonna make a painting for someone, right? Yes. And it takes me hours, to make a painting. Mm -hmm. So for those hours, I am thinking not just about painting, I'm thinking about the person I'm painting it for. Mm -hmm. So the act of giving the gift is all these hours, I was thinking about what I was going to paint. And then those hours that it took me to do it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that was all about you. Right? So I made my world all about you when I was doing this. Right? So I think gift giving is something people don't want to admit is something that they like receiving (laughs) everybody will be like well I like giving gifts I don't care about receiving them it's okay to like receiving them (laughs) yes that's okay and it doesn't have to be because you are super materialistic either Mm -hmm. but then you were making a really good point about how we really have to learn how to speak 
our partner's love language because we tend to speak in our own language. That makes sense. If Mm -hmm. my primary love language is words of affirmation, which is just a fancy way of saying using words as a way of saying (laughs) that I love someone or I care Mm -hmm. about them or I value them, that I might use my words, our listeners might pick up on that that's possibly one of my primary love languages. (laughs) I'm chatty, so (laughs) I can be. Mm -hmm. I love words right? I'm a writer. I always have loved language. So Mm -hmm. that is one of my primary love languages. Mm -hmm. So hearing I love you means a lot to me. Not hearing it Mm -hmm. means a lot to me, right? Right. The lack of the words is devastating to me. It leaves this big, hollow, empty silence that's Mm -hmm. not a welcome silence, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting, though, that even if somebody were to attempt to fill that with the other languages the void would still be there yeah seen that in couples as well where the other person's like but i'm doing the things you know i'm i'm doing the acts i'm doing the gifts it, it doesn't compensate for the one that the person needs the most that's right? right no amount of other language is going to is going to fill that void yeah and that's where you get people saying I feel really unloved or they'll even like say it like it's fact like they don't love me Mm -hmm. and that may or may not be true they might sit there with their you know their partner might be looking at them with their jaw on the floor going what are you talking about I just I cleaned the kitchen for you and I made you a nice dinner and I put the children to bed right and that was after I made you your favorite dinner and that's acts of service and that mm-hmm. might be that person's primary love language. So they were they were speaking love in that language, but maybe they were speaking it to someone whose primary love language is physical touch, mm-hmm. which is, by the way, another one that is very misunderstood. Yes. Because everybody thinks physical touch is about sex, yep. which, again, it can be. That mm-hmm. is part of it, right? But it's about closeness, affection, right? It can mm-hmm. be the simple thing of, you know, holding someone's hand, kissing someone on the forehead or the cheek. It can be stroking your partner's hair, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a sexual touch. It can yeah. be, it's a loving touch, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a touch that we also know that physical touch creates all sorts of good hormone releases, right? Endorphins, right. oxytocin, it actually helps us manage pain if yes. our our romantic partner holds our hand when we're going through a painful procedure. It actually reduces the amount of pain that we experience. It's amazing. Right. Isn't right? there a, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a certain amount of time. Is it 30 seconds or a minute? 20 seconds. Of 20 seconds. Yeah. I knew you'd know. <laughs> of holding your partner and the kind of chemicals that are released from doing that, the bonding chemicals and yes. hormones that are released. So for everyone listening, 20 seconds is that magic number. Yes. You actually just increase that feeling of connectedness. That's right. I actually have an 11-year-old daughter who has been known to ask for an oxytocin hug. Oh, I love her. (laughs) (laughs) I love her too. And she knows, she's known this from a really young age. Like I think she was probably four when I told her this, that if we hug for a really long time, that this is actually what makes you feel really good right? Mm-hmm. This this really long hug. And I actually this morning was hugging my 11-year-old mm-hmm. downstairs in the kitchen. And I actually like after maybe 10 seconds felt her body just like mm-hmm. an exhale and a release. And yeah. 
I would say like try it the next time you hug your partner. If you hug them long enough, you will feel a release. You might hear an exhale, right? right? Because that's also likely their parasympathetic nervous system activating, right? right? So their sympathetic nervous system, the one that's always awake for stress, is going shh. And the parasympathetic <laughs> nervous system that chills us out and comes awake when we are calm, it can only really be active when we're safe, and if we're in the right. arms of the person who makes us feel safe and we're in there for long enough, then we get that release of those good hormones mm -hmm. and then we kind of let go into that safety and that creates yeah. a lovely connection. And doing that mm -hmm. over time creates a lot of safety within that relationship as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've talked about gifts, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, and then there's quality time. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that one of yours? What's one? Yeah, I would say words of affirmation and quality time are probably my two. I debate because I also really like acts of service. It's a whole thing. I'm constantly. <laughs> That's because you're a mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I think quality time, if you were to ask my partner, he would probably say quality time would be one of my top. And how and would just, you describe that? Like for you, what is it that yeah. you need from the time? Yeah, that's interesting because I think at first glance, quality time seems like, you know, a lot of date nights, uh, you know, time away. For me, quality time is even if I'm on the couch watching a show, I actually just like him to be there. <laughs> even if he's doing his own thing, watching his own show, or if I'm, you know, doing a chore, if I'm, you know, cleaning up the kitchen at the end of the night just his physical presence and the ability to just catch up a little bit at the end of the day, that's so meaningful to mm -hmm. me. And it's, it feels small. It doesn't feel like it has to be anything big. Of course, I like a, you know, dinner out or, you know, a nice walk, but just having him physically there and the ability to just check in with each other, maybe have a laugh, chat a little bit, that really fuels me. Yeah. And I think, Quality time is one of those ones that I've consistently heard from different people that they need different things from it. So for some people, they say, if they're sitting next to me, that's not what I need. I need to be mm -hmm. engaged in a conversation, right? right? And other people are like, I just need them to be sitting next to me. Yeah. Right? right. So it's. I think it's really important to have this conversation with your partner, right? Because this, again, is something you could think you know the answer to, mm -hmm. and maybe you do. And maybe you only know some of the answer and maybe it's still worth a conversation, right? Like maybe you know your partner's top two love languages, but you could still ask them, like, tell me more about why you like that or what it is that you need from that, right? So if my partner's, you know, primary love language is quality time, tell me what that means for you. How mm -hmm. do you get that from me? How do you mm -hmm. seek that from me? How do you bid for that from me? Yes. Right? right? Because when we ask these questions, again, that's that open curiosity, that willingness to intentionally attend. We get mm -hmm. all sorts of information. And even having the conversation is a gift to our partner saying, I want to know you. Right? Yes. I want to prioritize our relationship. Right? Mm -hmm. And then that's, that's, you know, watering that garden. Right? That's taking care of that part of our life. Right? and yes. nurturing that space. I'm going to put aside time today and I'm going to talk to you about 
what do you need from me? What, right. how do you experience love from me the best? Mm-hmm. What do you like that I do? What would you like more of? Right. right. Yes. And I think it's also important to remember there's an evolution to that, right? So as, you know, time goes on and life changes and even your family unit might look a little different if, you know, there's a child involved or something, something shifts in the household, your primary love languages and what they look like could shift as well. So I think checking in over time, not assuming that it's going to be the same and, and stagnant, that's important too. Yeah. I know for me, quality time pre baby and post is a little different because Mm -hmm. sometimes I just don't want any more conversation, (laughs) but that doesn't mean I don't want him there. Yeah. You know, so just being mindful of the fact that we're all always shifting and changing and staying curious about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting to know, right. Not because we're listening to it from a, you know, place of tell me my deficits or how I'm failing you. It's Mm -hmm. tell me more about you tell me who you are, tell me more of what I thought I knew, because maybe you can fill in some gaps I didn't know were there. Mm-hmm. And and I love you. So I want to give you more mm-hmm. of what you are hungry for, yes. what your heart hungers for. Absolutely. Let's add some currency to that bank account. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Let's put it yeah. like create a massive savings account because that gets us through the storms of life that come right? Inevitably, mm-hmm. there's difficult times and there's rough waters and that's okay, but we weather those a heck of a lot better when there's been a little bit of a cushion in the bank account, mm. right? Then we, we don't go into overdraft whenever there's a bit of a ripple. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's our discussion for today, for Valentine's Day, for this particular season. And we are really hoping that everybody gets what they need for their heart today as with every day and maybe you'll have some interesting conversations with people about you know what their love languages are or what it means to be connected and you'll just do some really intentional tuning in and attending to other people as a really lovely gift of love this week thanks for sharing your time with us And remember, if you are feeling alone in the valley, you are not alone. We are right there with you.